Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. Well, hi, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us today here at Rethink Life Church. Hey, as, as always, it's an honor to have you join with us. And, and let me just say, last Sunday, we took a pause because it was Father's Day from our series that we've been in over the last several weeks called Stay Optimistic. And last Sunday, we celebrated the dads, and I had the uh, really rare opportunity just to have a conversation with my father-in-law. We captured it, and he shared just a wealth of wisdom to all of the dads. And I just want to encourage you, if you missed it, make sure you go back and watch that. It was really a powerful uh, time of just hope and life and encouragement and really just as related to marriage and parenting and just family life. And so I hope you'll take advantage of that. As we wrap up this series called Stay Optimistic, I'm going to speak with you today about a subject that often we don't hear a lot about, and it's the word known as enthusiasm. Now, when you hear the word enthusiasm, sometimes it's a little hard to explain, but at the same time, it's easy to see in other people. I'll never forget, years ago, I was at the Orlando International Airport. I was getting ready to catch a flight, and near the gate where I was, um, there was a little kiosk where um, you know you could pick up a snack or you know something to drink, and so I happened to walk over there, and I noticed there was a crowd of people gathered around this kiosk. Well, when it was my turn, I, I grabbed a drink, I got some gum and I was paying the cashier and that's what everybody was gathered around to actually see. It was the cashier. And so it was a man who was working there at this kiosk and as I gave him my money and he gave me my change back, he said, thank you very much, young man. He said, I want you to have a super duper day. And he said, just remember this one thing. He said, keep on smiling. And I thought to myself, wow, that dude is jacked up about his job. He was so enthusiastic. And, and because he was so enthusiastic and because it was so rare, people gathered around just to see this guy kind of light up. And it was really just a, an awesome moment. And obviously it made a huge impression on me. Well, I kid you not. About two years later, I was at an office depot here in Orlando, and as I got closer to the uh, place where you check out there, I noticed, I thought to myself, that's the guy. And sure enough, I was hearing him as he was doing the same thing there at Office Depot. And when I approached him, I said, hey, you're that guy at the airport. And he said, yes, sir. And so I gave him my money. He gave me the change back. And he said, thank you very much, young man. He said, have a super duper day. And he said, remember this one thing, keep on smiling. And I kid you not, that's exactly the way he said it. I thought to myself, I don't know what you're drinking or what you're smoking. I just want a little bit of it. But that guy was enthusiastic. You know, in light of everything going on in our world today, here's what I've come to realize. There are basically two kinds of people. There are those who allow their environment to influence their enthusiasm and there are those who really allow their enthusiasm to influence their environment. And I think it's sad and unfortunate today in light of everything going on. Unfortunately, there are a lot of things that are robbing us from the enthusiasm that God wants us to live with. 
And obviously, because of everything that's happened, maybe you started out 2020 gun hole, I mean, full of life and vision. Man, you just, you were, you had the world by its tail. You were just so excited. Big goals that you were wanting to achieve. And all of a sudden, we got literally hit broadside out of nowhere by the coronavirus. And then after, you know, the economical uh, impact that that had and just, you know, being quarantined and, you know, being kind of uh, pinned up, if you will, restricted from our freedom, but being able to go places and do things and being around people over the course of time, you know, suddenly begin to kind of wear us and rub us the wrong way. And, you know, as the emotions and tensions begin to mount, and then all of a sudden we have the George Floyd situation and circumstances, and then the ripple effect that that's had, and you see the political chaos, you see the rioting in the streets and the violence and the division and the chaos. You know, it's pretty simple when you look at things from a biblical spiritual perspective. Satan has one agenda, John 10, 10, and that is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said something in that same verse, and here's what he said. He said, but I've come that you may have life and experience it to the full. Two completely opposite circumstances, but at the same time, outcomes. And I believe if we're not careful, we can allow the negativity, the chaos, the confusion to cloud our perspective. We can allow all the things that are happening that are negative and cynical and divisive and vicious and angry to rob us of our joy and rob us of our enthusiasm for life and for the Lord. Or we can allow our enthusiasm to help us rise above everything going on in our world that's negative and remain hope-filled and optimistic because we have a firm belief that God is in control. And because Jesus overcame, we too are going to overcome everything that we're facing in our lives. And so today what I want us to do is I want us to learn a little bit about the word enthusiasm and really what it means to our lives to help us remain optimistic. Did you know the word enthusiasm actually comes from two Greek words. It's the word in, which is spelled E-N, and then the word theos. Theos actually is where we come up with our English word theology, which simply means the study of God. So when you think about in theos, that means in God. It's the study of God. It is to be filled with God. So in essence, what enthusiasm basically means, it means that as a result of being filled with God, there is a virtue, there is a characteristic, there is a fruitfulness of our lives that manifests it manifest itself in a spirit of joy and a spirit of enthusiasm. And there's a couple of verses I want to read to you that are really somewhat foundational to what we're going to be talking about today. One of those is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 57 and 58. The Apostle Paul shared these words. He said, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, hey, if there's something to be excited about and enthusiastic about, it's the fact that Jesus died, was buried and came back to life. And because he lives, we too can live new lives in Jesus Christ. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. 
For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. In other words, when we see life as an opportunity where we as followers of Jesus, in other words, if you call yourself a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, our life should not be lived for the temporal. Our life should be lived for the eternal. And we see the temporal life that we have as a calling, as a mission, because we have an opportunity to make a difference. And so therefore, what, what, what we can do is we can wake up every day, regardless of what's going on. I don't care if the wheels are coming off and all hell is breaking loose around us. When we have an eternal perspective, here's what can happen. It can literally take the ordinary and turn it into the extraordinary. It can take the mundane and we can find the meaningful side of life, even in the midst of all the negativity that's going on in our lives. In Colossians chapter three, verse 23, here's what the Bible says. Whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly as though you were working for your real master and not merely for humans. In other words, as followers of Jesus Christ, Listen, when we wake up in the morning, hey, if we have the opportunity to go to work, listen, if we are in a, in a place of influence, we ought to see everything that we do as an opportunity to serve God. Because as we serve God, here's what we're doing. We're also worshiping God. And as we're worshiping God by serving God, guess what? Now we see everything as an opportunity to make a difference in people's lives to make a difference in what we do. Therefore, when we approach our job, we're not seeing it as just something we do to put food on the table. Yes, it's a blessing. It's a gift that we have a job and we could put food on the table, but we can also realize the fact that everything we do, anything and everything we put our hands to, guess what? We do it as though we're doing it unto the Lord. And it changes our perspective. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to unpack the word enthusiasm, and we're going to see it played out in David's life. Now, all of us, I'm sure if you've been around church at all, if you've ever taken the time to maybe read some of your Bible, you've known, or maybe you've at least run across the story of David and Goliath. And you know about King David, and you know the fact that as a young boy, he was a shepherd boy. Well, we're going to see David's life of enthusiasm from the time he was a boy to ultimately the time he became a king. And here's what I want us to understand about David's life. David lived his life with great enthusiasm. And what you got to understand in the Enthusiasm is not just limited to a person's personality or temperament or mood. No, it's really a posture of the heart. So therefore, the next time you hear the word enthusiasm or you see the word enthusiasm, here's what I want you to remember. I want you to remember that, remember that enthusiasm comes as a result of being filled with God. It is a spiritual posture of the heart where we're leaning into the truth. We're leaning into the supernatural power of God, and we're allowing God to fill us and to overflow through us in everything that we do. So in King David's life, here's one of the things that we realize. We realize that at the beginning of his life, he had a great spiritual enthusiasm and confidence, but we're going to see something at the end of his life that many of us can relate to. In other words, there was a time when he was confident, but there was also a time later in his life as king where he became comfortable and complacent. And as a result, it cost him greatly. But the good news is, is that maybe you find yourself in a place 
of a similar situation where you have, maybe there was a time in your life where you were closer to the Lord than you are right now. Maybe there was a time in your life where you're a lot more faith-filled and optimistic and hope-filled about your life and your future and your circumstances. But maybe you're in a situation where you've allowed the negativity and the chaos and the hurt and the anger and maybe the division and everything from political things going on to racial things going on to financial things going on to, you know, relational circumstances going on. Maybe you have found yourself losing your joy. Maybe here's what's happened. You've gotten what I call an enthusiasm spasm. And as a result, you've cramped up. And as a result, you're no longer as on fire for the Lord. Maybe you've allowed your mind to get distracted and become cluttered by all the things that are going on. And as a result, it's tainted your own heart. Maybe you've taken your eyes off of God and you've taken your eyes off of his promises and you've put them on the temporal things and on the circumstances and all the situations that are going on in our world and in our culture. But I want you to understand something that, you know, even though we may lose that joy and that enthusiasm, I believe with God's help, we can get it back and he invites us to do so. And we're going to see how David did that very same thing. So here's what I want us to understand. We're going to unpack a story that many of us are familiar with. It's the story when David went up against that giant known as Goliath. And so here we have the Philistine army. You have the Israelite army, and they're at a standoff. And the Philistines, of course, they were, they were a vicious army, and they were large, and they had one specific giant known as Goliath. And he was out there they're hurling insults. And basically he was, he was dishonoring the God of Israel. He was talking trash about Israel's God. And so the Israelite army stood frozen. They were paralyzed and they were stricken with fear. Nobody had the courage and the confidence or the guts to go and stand up to Goliath until David shows up. The young shepherd boy shows up on the scene. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 45 through 46, it says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with the sword and the spear and the javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. And today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Let me tell you something. David's enthusiasm did not come in that moment out of his own natural strength, but rather His confidence came, his enthusiasm came simply because of three things that I believe we all need to apply in our own lives if we're going to remain optimistic and enthusiastic about everything that we're going through in life. And the first is this, if you're taking notes, and that is the fact that David trusted God daily. Where did his enthusiasm and confidence come from? Well, it came because he trusted God daily in his life. Now, think about this for a moment. When David was young, he was a shepherd boy. And what do shepherds do? They take care of their sheep. He was a 
caretaker of the sheep. And, and it was his part of his responsibility and duties that if the sheep were ever threatened, whether it would be a bear or a lion that came against them, what was the shepherd to do? He would take his rod, he would take his staff, and he would go and he would defend those sheep and he would take care of the threat or the enemy. And that's exactly what David did time after time after time, little victories along the way where he would take out the lion, he would take out the bear. So when it came to standing up against this Philistine, this giant known as Goliath, he didn't think anything about it. You know why? Because he walked with God in such a way where his trust was in the Lord God alone. In other words, he didn't put his he didn't put his faith in, you know, in, in, in the temporal things, but no, he remained faithful in trusting the Lord. And in his mind, he was thinking, well, God has been there for me in the past. He has proven himself faithful time and time again in the past. He helped me overcome the bear. He helped me take out the lion. Surely, because God has been faithful in the past, he's going to be faithful in the present so that I can take out this giant. And maybe that's where you need to be reminded today is that regardless of what you're going through right now in your life, I don't care if it's a financial situation, maybe your marriage right now is being threatened. Maybe the foundation of your family life is suddenly beginning to erode away. There's some challenges that are going on in your life that's causing you to maybe remain somewhat fearful and maybe you feel paralyzed. Can I remind you today? Like David, rather than focusing on how big your problems and your circumstances are, why not focus on how big our God is? Because you see, David reminded himself, because God was faithful in the past, he's going to help me in the present. And I think that's what you need to remind yourself with today. You need to remind yourself, hey, God has helped me overcome things in the past. He helped me get through those financial storms in the past. He helped me overcome some of the circumstances, some habits in the past. He helped me overcome some relational challenges in my past. And he is going to help me in my present. So one of the reasons why David was so enthusiastic and confident about his life is because he trusted God daily. But secondly, he walked with God daily. I love what John Maxwell says. He said, success is defined in your daily routine. And I believe that's so powerful because when you think about it, life is a, is all about preparation. And how do we prepare for the circumstances of life? By spending time with God, by walking with God daily. It's that daily routine. It's that time where we spend an intimate, intentional, close companionship with God. Here's what the scripture says in Psalm 23. I love this because, you know, when you think about David, you know, he walked intimately with the Lord. And it says in verses one through six in in Psalm 23, and by the way, a couple of weeks ago, if you happen to miss the message, I hope you'll go back and and watch it. But we, we unpack Psalm 23 as related to overcoming financial storms in our life. But I want to read to you that same passage. It says, the Lord is my shepherd and I have all that I need. David said, he lets me rest in green meadows and he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength and he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil 
My cup overflows with blessings, and surely your goodness and unfailing love pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. You know, all of that that we just took in in Psalm 23 is a result of someone who is walking intentionally and faithfully and intimately every day with God. Let me ask you a question. Is that where you're at right now? Can you honestly say that you are trusting God daily and you are walking with God daily in your life? You say, I don't even know how to do that. One of the best ways that you can do that is by just picking up your Bible and reading it, spending time with God. Listen, we have a little booklet, and I'll tell you more about it here in a few moments, but you can, you can DM me right now. If you're watching us on Facebook, you can text that number on the screen, and we'll, we'll give you a little booklet called Rethinking Life Every Day. But the good news is there's a little 30-day reading plan. You can start reading your Bible through the life of Jesus. You can go to the YouVersion app. There's a lot of Bible reading plans and devotionals. Why am I saying all that? Because let me tell you something, if you want to learn how to walk with God, then you need to spend time with the God of the Bible. You see, it's God's love letter to you and me. It's God's revelation to you and to me. Listen, you want to get to know God? Get to know his word. God's will is found in God's word. You want to be filled with confidence? Then learn to spend time with God, walking with God daily, reading his word, spending time in prayer, and letting God fill you with his power and his presence so that you can remain optimistic like David. So what did he do? He trusted God daily. He walked with God daily, but he also worshiped God daily. As a matter of fact, it says that when the, anytime the Anytime the, the Ark of the Covenant basically came to Jerusalem, here's what happened. It says in 2 Samuel 6, 14, David worshiped God and danced with all his might. You know why? Because he was joyful in the fact he got to worship in the presence of the Lord. And I believe with all of my heart, that's what we can do. We can turn worry into worship. And when we get our eyes on the temporal things and we're listening to the news and we're seeing the gloom of the doom, and if we're not careful, we can allow those things to enter into our hearts. But we got to replace the lies with truth. It's not that we put our heads under the sand or in the sand and, and we, you know, we, we deny, ignore everything going on around us because everything that's going on in, in our world today is real, it's important, and we as believers in Jesus Christ and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ need to push back the enemy. We need to take more turf and ground that the enemy is trying to take. Why? Because the enemy's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give life and so that you can experience it in all of its fullness. Let me tell you something. The only way we can win the battles, the spiritual war that we are facing in our country today, we're going to win it through worship. We're going to win it through the power of prayer. We can't do it alone. We need the Spirit of God and the power of God to fill us so that we can overcome the difficulties and the hardships, the giants that we face in our lives. We can't do it alone. We need God's help. We need his presence. We need his power in our lives. So here's the thing. Why is this so important? Because many of you are trusting God and maybe you're worshiping God and maybe you're walking with God. But I'm here to tell you, I can say this in my own personal life. There are times when we can be in a place where we're worshiping God and walking with God and trusting God, but sometimes it doesn't always last. 
Sometimes if we're not careful, we can get distracted and we can allow the circumstances of life to rob us of our enthusiasm. You know, this past um, few weeks, I'll be honest, I took some time to spend with my wife, Michelle, and our family. And, you know, we needed a break. I needed a break, to be honest with you. Um, we had some anniversaries and some birthdays and some celebrations that we wanted to take part in as a family. But, but for me personally, I just needed to pull away. And I just needed to kind of get my head clean. I needed to get my heart clean and then to get, get, get my mind refocused and renewed. And here's the reason why, because I found my own heart I found my own life beginning to become less enthusiastic. In other words, I began to focus on a lot of the uncertainties about the future, you know, as it relates to our church and the hardships and the challenges the coronavirus has had on us as a church, not being able to meet together and people being fragmented and different things coming on, uh, excuse me, that are going on that are, that are coming against us when it comes to, you know, just not being able to do the things that we need to do and want to do to make an impact in people's lives. But I'm saying all that to say, you know what I needed? I just needed to hear from God. I needed to walk with God. I needed to hear his gentle whisper. I needed him to renew my spirit. I needed him once again to fill my heart. And here's what I begin to ask myself in light of everything going on in our world, with our church, you know, with everything going on, what does all this make possible? And you know what God began to do? God began to renew my spirit. God began to renew my mind. God began to give me renewed vision. And all of a sudden, through the vision that God began to put in my spirit, became a renewed passion and a renewed focus. And now a desire and enthusiasm about what God is about to do. And sometimes we need to do the same thing in our lives. And I encourage you, hey, whatever you do, you need to make sure that once again, you're able to position yourself with a posture that's leaning in towards God so you can receive what it is that God wants you to know so that you can ultimately live out so you can remain hope-filled and optimistic and enthusiastic about the good plans that God has for you and me. Amen. If so, you ought to give us a little shout out, send some little fire emojis, some little, you know, hands, praise hands going on there because listen, God is about to do something fresh and new. We serve a God whose mercies are fresh and new each and every day. I believe God is getting ready to carve a, a brand new path out for your life and for us as a church. And I'm excited and I'm optimistic about the future. So let me wrap this up by saying this. There are two lessons that I want us to learn about David's life because there were two seasons in his life. There was a time when he was a boy and there was a time when he was a king. And we notice in 1 Samuel 17 verses 48 through 49 is, this young shepherd boy, as he took on that, Goli that, that giant known as Goliath, and the Bible says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead, and the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down onto the ground. So here was a moment where David was charging in, where he was taking on this Goliath, the giant known as Goliath. He was filled with enthusiasm 
wisdom. He had a spirit of confidence. Why? Because he had been faithfully trusting God daily, walking with God daily, worshiping with God daily. No wonder he was filled with God with enthusiasm and confidence, and he charged into the enemy territory, and he took out the enemy. But notice another season in his life, and that is when King David now was at a different place in season. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 2, in the spring at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. But David, notice, David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. You know, in this moment, what happened to David? What happened to David is that he slid into a place of comfort, complacency, and convenience. And as a result, he lost his spirit of enthusiasm. He lost his confidence. With the confidence that he had when he was a boy, and even in the earlier stages of his career as a great warrior and king, suddenly he became distracted and he became comfortable and convenient and became complacent. And here's what we learned. When he wasn't where he was supposed to be, he saw something he wasn't supposed to see. He thought something that he wasn't supposed to think. He did something he wasn't supposed to do. And as a result, he lost something he wasn't supposed to lose. What was that? That was his close, intimate relationship with God. You see, David is the one who drifted. David is the one who lost his enthusiasm. David is the one who allowed himself to become distracted and preoccupied and fell into a place of comfort and convenience and complacency and downright apathy. And as a result, it cost him greatly when he ended up not only committing adultery, but ultimately ended up orchestrating the murder of one of his men. You see, unfortunately, Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can't get you one way, he'll try another. He'll do everything he can to get you distracted, and he'll get you to a place where, you know what? It's easy to become burned out. It's easy to become complacent. It's easy to allow this whole coronavirus season that we've been in to suddenly just kind of really cause us to lose our joy. Well, we're no longer in our small groups. We're no longer faithfully giving and tithing. We're, we're no longer doing life with other people. We're no longer staying connected online. We're no longer serving and being, you know, a part of the hands and the feet of meeting the needs of people. You know why? Because we have fallen to a place of comfort and convenience. So what do you do? What do you do? Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're at that place. You see, with enthusiasm, David ran into the battle to serve as God. But with apathy, David walked on the roof to serve his comfort and his own convenience. So how does a man who had so much enthusiasm as a kid lose it as a king? As I stated, he got distracted and he became complacent. And if that's where you are today, 
Maybe you have that enthusiasm spasm. You're not where you could be or should be. There was a time where you loved God more than you do right now. Maybe there was a time when you spent more time in God's word and prayer and you were more faithful and consistent in certain spiritual areas of your life than perhaps you are right now. Well, I got good news. And the good news is you can get it back. The good news is, is that, listen, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And God wants to give you your joy back. And he wants to give you your strength back. Listen, I like to say this. He wants to give you your mojo back. Hey, he wants you to get your swagger back spiritually. Hey, he wants you to get your enthusiasm back. He wants you to live life the way God intended. And that's the fullness of joy that is found in Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus was complimenting a church in the book of Revelations. In Revelation chapter 2, he's talking to the church at Ephesus. And he was giving them compliment about, you know, all the good things that they were doing. And then in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, it says, However, Jesus said, I have this against you. The love you had at first is gone. Remember how far you have fallen. Return to me and change the way you think and act and do what you did at first. So what does that say? What that says is this, you know, as followers of Jesus Christ, if we find ourselves falling out of love with the Lord, we can renew our love by simply acknowledging, acknowledging the God to God that we have fallen, that we have drifted. You can do the same thing in your marriage relationship when your family relationships. Listen, what perhaps the enemy has used to cause us to drift further apart, I believe if, we, if, if we're willing to humble ourselves and come broken before the Lord and say, God, I need you to restore the joy of my salvation. God, I need my, that joy back. I need the strength of the Lord back. I need my enthusiasm back. God, give me that swagger back. God, give me that spirit of confidence back. And when we do that, when we start going back and doing the things that we did at first, when we first fell in love with Jesus, guess what? We get our enthusiasm back. You see, today, I believe that's what some of us need. We need the joy of the Lord. We need to return back to the Lord, perhaps more than anything, just our hearts. And we need to give him everything we got during this season. Say, God, I need you to fill me with your power, with your presence. God, fill me with enthusiasm so that I can rise above. I can face the giants that I'm facing in my life right now and I can be victorious rather than living and walking in defeat. And so today, listen, I don't know what you're going through, what you're facing. And if you've lost your joy, if you've lost that spirit of enthusiasm and confidence, if you've lost your spiritual swagger, I want to encourage you today, ask God to give it back to you. I want to invite you, if you would, to bow your head and your hearts in this moment of prayer. And as we just bow our heads for just a moment, can I just say that if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're watching this and you know Jesus as your Savior, but maybe you've drifted, maybe you have, um, maybe you have fallen out of love with the Lord, maybe your heart has grown cold and complacent, you've become indifferent, maybe you don't love the Lord the way you used to, maybe you haven't been reading you know, your Bible as you used to or spending time with God in prayer like you used to. The best thing you could do right now is ask God to forgive you and ask God to return to you the joy once again of your salvation. Just tell him right now, just tell him what you need to tell him. God's right where he's always been. He's right there. So would you talk with him today in your own way, in your own words? 
Some of you that are watching this, maybe what's missing in your life is just a relationship with God. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about going to church. I'm just talking about a relationship with a real God, a living God through his son, Jesus Christ, who loves you, died for you, came back to life for you, for you and wants to live inside of you so you can live with confidence, knowing not just who you are in Christ, but know that he has a great plan and purpose for you. If that's your need, that's your desire, would you pray this prayer? Just say, dear God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner and I turn from my sin. And today I believe that Jesus died on, on the cross and he arose again. And by faith, I'm asking you, Jesus, to come into my life. Forgive me, save me, and change me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. If you prayed that prayer just then, I want you to look at me. You just made life's greatest decision. One of the best things you could do is just DM me right now. Please, if you're watching on Facebook, DM me, or you can text that number. Text me. I want to send you a little booklet. It's a PDF. You can instantly download it. All you got to do is fill out a brief form and I'll shoot you that little booklet that I mentioned earlier. It will walk you through your next steps. So there's got a little 30 day reading plan. It will answer spiritual questions you have. But most importantly, I think it will help you start moving in the desired direction that you long to go in your spiritual journey with God. Hey, I want you to know I love you. Hey, God is with you. He's for you. And together we can stay optimistic. We serve a good God. And today be encouraged by what God is going to continue to do in and through our lives together. I can't wait to join you again next Sunday. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.